I always like when the worship leader starts stealing the message because it makes me feel like I heard God. I want to I want to just like jump right in. I'm just going to start praying over you because I feel something fierce in my bones. I feel I feel like the Lord wants to shake us. You know, have you ever, um, have you ever been so uh, like, here's an example. Maybe if you've had to have children and you get one that's, um, really dramatic and they're just having their moment that they can't get out of, you know, and they're just like, ah! and like, like, you know, like as a parent, not shaking baby syndrome or anything, but you know, like how sometimes you just like need to shake and be like, Hey, like, look at me and like, calm it down, you know? That's the kind of thing that I feel like the Lord wants to do to his people. And I just want to, I just want to begin to pray over you right now because I, I just sense that the Lord wants to release something and break you out of disappointment. He wants to break you out of a mindset of lack. He wants to break you out of your grief. He wants to break you out of heaviness and all the things that are trying to come against you. And so right now in the name of Jesus, I declare every spirit in the house to wake up to what Jesus is saying and doing right now in the name of Jesus. I pray that you would be broken out of disappointment. I declare right now that disappointment is not your inheritance in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, God, for restoring hope. I thank you for taking us by the shoulders as your people and shaking us awake to what you're doing, to what you're saying, and to how you're moving in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, I just... Uh, I. I I have so many things to say. <laughs> I have so many things. Hopefully it'll all come out and make sense. This morning as I was getting ready, uh, I was just worshiping. I've had this um, interesting weekend. I was by myself most of the weekend, and so I'd put early to bed. And uh, Friday night, I, I was like, okay, I have to preach on Sunday, so we'll work on that. And the Lord was like, nope, not going to work on that. So I just got to work on me instead. And that's always better than a message. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and so I'm, maybe I'm, I'm feeling fierce and fired up because I felt like the Lord, uh, did exactly to me what I was just telling you. It was like sitting down and facing, uh, all of the loss of the year. I mean, like when you think about it, like we've had some deep stuff happening personally, socially, corporately. And, and it's just like, it just keeps going. It just doesn't stop. And you, so you just keep moving. Right. And I was like going, Oh my gosh, like I haven't, I haven't processed anything <laughs> person from my personal stuff to anything. And so uh Friday night, I just got to sit with the Lord and ugly cry and allow him to work on my heart because when you get in that place where you live from disappointment to disappointment to disappointment, you might find yourself agreeing with the lie that disappointment is actually your inheritance. And like, I'm just sharing raw for you because this is where I'm at. 
Like that's basically what I had to, I had to come to the revelation to on Friday night that I had in fact come to the point where you're at the edge of the sea like Moses was ready to enter the promised land. And I'm not raising my hands to take it because I now believe that my inheritance is actually disappointment. And that's a really sad place to be as a believer. And see, once you, man, it got quiet. Here I am standing with everything open before you and you guys are silent. Um, See, sometimes we have to take the time and identify those lies that we've partnered with. Because as long as I believe disappointment is my inheritance, that's all I will see. And that's why we need God to come in and shake us a little bit and say, hey, hey, what are you doing? And I, I don't know that I would walk around and say that. I'm not that kind of person. I haven't been, I mean, I could tell something was like, you know, like when you're just like, oh, and I thought it was just the season. It is the season, but part of it is because the season has led me to a lie. And that's the, uh, that I'm feeling because I'm no longer just living in this crazy world. I'm living, believing a lie about who I am and about what my inheritance is. I love decided to see what it's like on a different row. Thanks for coming in right there. It was getting real heavy and I was starting to get nervous. It was awesome. Good timing. Everybody laugh a little bit, get a little lighthearted, right? You know what? It's okay to laugh in church. We're good to have fun. Doesn't have to be so serious all the time. So my challenge to you, that none of that was a part of my message, by the way, so I don't really know where we're going anymore. But my challenge is, if you're like me, and this season has been incredibly hard and full of loss and disappointment, I encourage you to make sure you're checking your heart. Because it, it, there can be a subtle switch where you just begin living in a lie of this is, this is all my life is going to be. <laughs> it's just disappointment. That, that must just be my lot in life. See, because the other thing is, I don't know about you, but um, you've heard, if you've been around very long, you've heard me affectionately refer to 2010 as my year of ashes. And there was so much loss and heartache and disappointment in that year that I recognized what's happened to me this year. Just recently, the feeling is familiar. And so I keep waiting. Like there's this thing in me that's partnered with my inheritance is disappointment because this, there's got to be more coming because that's how it was. 
And sometimes we just need like Holy Spirit to step in and be like, hey, could you stop deciding what's next? Could you stop living like that and allow me to define your future in this year and not take something that feels familiar and prescribe the same thing to this? Because you're in a different place. These are different things. This is just different situation. There is no way on earth that we can compare 2020 to any other season in our life. I mean, really, ever. And this morning as I was getting ready, I just felt something stirring in my heart. I just wanted to remind you of who we are as a church. It's been a while. Usually uh, when I preach, I, I almost always share circles, lines, and tents, but I haven't done that in a couple of, of times. And I just wanted to remind you of who we are and what our strategy is as a church because it works in quarantine for all of you that are watching online. We have several families in quarantine today. This still applies to you and your home. So many years ago, right in the in-between before John and I took the church, I had a vision. And I've had it two other times since then as I was seeking God, like, God, tell us what we're supposed to do. And he kept giving me the same thing. And I think about the third time I finally realized, like, oh, this is for our church. I, I see now. Uh, but I had this, this vision and... Uh, I was just, I was being prayed for and I closed my eyes. I just like had this picture in my head and John and I were standing up on a mountainside and it's kind of like, it's got like a cool filter. Think like army, maybe like Lord of the Rings filter or something on it. You know, it's like, so John and I are up on a mountain and there's this big valley below and there's all of these people and there's a blazing fire in front of us. And the people, and all of the people who are like soldiers, it's like an army camp, if you will. They would come together and they would make lines in front of us and we would be giving instructions and there would be this fire blazing and they would be in lines. And then all of a sudden, all the people would get into small circles all over the valley. There was just circles of people. And as they circled up, a fire would be ignited and be burning in the middle of the circle. And then the circles would break out and all these people would go to their tents in just their family unit. And they would go to tents and I could see tents everywhere all over the valley from where I was standing. And you could see fire flickering, you know, like the, what it would look like on the outside of a tent. And I, I watched this and it just kept happening. It would just be like, people would come in, there'd be lines, circles, tents, lines, circles, tents, all with the fire burning in it. And then as I, as I looked closer, I would begin to see that circles were pulling people out of the darkness where I couldn't see. And they were bringing them into the light of the fire and they were joining their circle. And then that, that, that person who was brought into the circle was given food and clothing and life. And then they became a part, they were given armor. They came a part of our line and then a circle. And then they went to their own tent that now had a fire burning in it. And I would just see this over and over over and over. And it was like the Lord was saying, this, this is what you're called to do as the body. See, the fire represents the presence of Jesus. And the lines would be just like we're here right now, right? We sit in lines, we come together, we get instruction, some of those things. Circles are like small groups, home groups, Wednesday nights, meetings together with people, friends, women's meetings, whatever it is, anywhere where you're gathering community. And then your tent is your home. 
And we can all say, yeah, like, okay, that's our normal life, right? We come to the line, we do some circle stuff, and then you go home. But really, what sets this apart is that the fire of God's presence is burning in all of those places. And that's who we're called to be. And you know what? Circles, lines, and tents works beautifully in quarantine because it gives you a chance to be in your tent and tend the fire. You know, sometimes it's easy to come to the line and have the fire in front, right? We're like, yeah, we're worshiping. This is so great. I only have to keep it together for a couple hours and it's awesome. And, uh, and we worship. Am I wrong? And circles are the same way. We can, we can come together and we share a little bit more life and there's community there. But see, our home, we have to get to the place where our home becomes the sacred dwelling of Jesus. Where his presence in our home is so powerful. And this has been a year, man, to, to make sure that's happening. I hope that it's been great. I love, I really, I mean, quarantine was hard, but I loved having our kids and our family together. And we, we like learned to adapt. We learned how to do school online, right? All these things. But it was an opportunity to say, this can be healthy. We like each other. We want the fire of God burning here. I want to honor Jesus in my home. I want to give Jesus glory in my marriage as a parent. And so I just, I don't know. I just felt like I was supposed to remind you guys of that this morning, that that's still who we are. 2020 doesn't change who we are. And the fire of God's presence can burn even when it's hard. And in fact, it burns brighter, the darker it gets. So we're in luck. So this, this works no matter what's changing around us. God, God is still working. And I think it's, if anything else, I just want you to be shaken out of like the, the focus of everything that's going wrong, the focus of lack, the focus of holding your breath, waiting for what's next and recognize God is still good. He's still doing things. As I was preparing for the message, I I asked the Lord, what are you saying? What are you doing in Living Way Church? And before I even finished my sentence, I heard him say, I'm building. And like, I knew it was the Lord because I hadn't even finished my sentence. I didn't even have time for, to form a new thought before that was just popping in my spirit. He said, I am building. It was so clear. And I find that both encouraging and challenging because I know we've been in such a season of loss, right? And so many of you personally as well as socially, corporately, all these things, right? We, we've watched things and people and comfort and money and health and our sense of normal and sometimes even our peace just be stripped away from us one by one by one. And yet in a crazy cycle where the punches just keep coming, Jesus says, I'm building. I'm building. He's doing something. Maybe we're completely unaware of it. He's building. And I believe that Jesus is building us, that he's building people. He's building character. He's building legacy. What does that even mean? (laughs) And how do we adjust our focus from lack to Jesus's work and what he's building? 
We have to be connected with him. You know, if you look up the word uh, build in the dictionary, because I like words and I like to define them because sometimes it just highlights what Jesus is saying to me. So the first definition is to construct by assembling and joining parts together. Pretty basic. Uh, the second is to establish, to increase, to strengthen. To establish, to increase, and to strengthen. I searched the Bible for the word build. I just put in build. And I didn't want to put in rebuild because the Lord didn't say I'm rebuilding. He said I'm building. See, and I think we're in a season where I would much rather say, uh, can you just come to all these ruined pieces and rebuild it? And I feel like the Lord's saying, hey, let's go ahead and let those just be and let me just build something fresh. Because there's some things in this season that we don't need to go back to. There's some things that have been demolished in your life that don't need to be rebuilt. But that doesn't mean that God is just not doing anything. God said, I am building. So I looked up the word build in the, in the, in the Bible and it was, it was interesting, right? Uh, so it's interesting that the definitions go really well with Old Testament and New Testament, like Old Covenant and New Covenant, right? Because in the Old Testament, when you find the word build, you find it's all about constructing and assembling, That's what it is that you know is building the ark. They're building altars. They're building the tabernacle. They're building cities as they take over land. And here's what I noticed. There are times when people were inspired by God to build. And there were times when they were inspired by their flesh because they were also had the really grand idea of building a tower of Babel. They also had the grand idea of building a calf made of gold to worship because they got tired of waiting. And when they were just inspired by their own, like, inspiration of the flesh, they began to build things like that. But then if you look at the things that God was calling people to build, there's entire chapters and pages of the Bible that are really boring in the Old Testament because it's God's building plans. It's like reading a blueprint, like a real one. It's not just like, this is the blueprint for our lives. It is, but... Some of that Old Testament pages are like real blueprints, like he's giving measurements. He's giving you what things should be made of, who should be doing it, how they're doing it, and when they're supposed to do it, and in what order they're going to do it in. Like God, when he builds something, he puts thought into it, and he plans every piece, and he sees every detail down to the measurements. I mean, there's pages in the Bible dedicated to the measurements of the tabernacle in the Old Testament. It's all about building and constructing. Even in their, their flesh, it was about building and constructing, right? They're just building these things. But in the New Testament, it's different. It's more about establishing and strengthening when you find the word build there. And it's clear that this kind of building is an ongoing process when you look at it in the New Testament. Isn't that annoying? Wouldn't it be great if God just said, I'm going to build it and then it's going to be done and it's going to be awesome. Uh, can we just be done? Can I be done? Uh, you know, we're not done till it's done. Uh, so as long as you are taking breath in this life, you're not done. You're not done. And that's good news and sometimes bad news, right? <laughs> There's always increase. There's always building. There's always transformation to be happening. I want to read um, a scripture to you from Ephesians 2, 
I'm reading it out of the Passion Translation, which is really different, but it's still the same meaning. Just uses some different words. Uh, Ephesians 2, 19. Now, uh, Paul is addressing the Gentiles here, talking about how they've been folded in uh, to, to God's people. So that's, that's who he's talking to. So you're not foreigners or guests, but rather you are the children of the city of the holy ones with all the rights as family members of a household of God. You are rising like perfectly fitted stones of the temple and your lives are being built together upon the ideal foundation laid by the apostles and prophets. And best of all, you are connected to the head cornerstone of the building, the anointed one, Jesus Christ himself. The entire building is under construction and is continually growing under his supervision until it rises up completed as the holy temple of the Lord himself. This means that God is transforming each one of you into the holy of holies, his dwelling place through the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. And so there's this idea here that you're being built, that God is building us together and always transforming us and always enlarging the building for more. And that we are established and built on the word of God and on Jesus, the very cornerstone. Jesus has to be the foundation. Now, we, you have to get the foundation right in order to see God's work effectively being built in you. If God is going to be building in us, we have to have the foundation right. I, I think of, of your house. Terry and Terry have uh, ha- had some house uh, fun times recently because it's, it's 2020 and why not destroy the whole floor in the house? Um, So what happened is when their house was built, the foundation wasn't given enough time to settle. So now a few years later, that's that's causing a lot of damage in the house. And so they had to come and jackhammer through what, like half of your house, uh, you know, so that they could fix the foundation because you cannot build on something that doesn't have a good foundation. Even Jesus teaches this, like the wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock, right? And the rains came down and the floods came up and the rains came down, but the house on the rock stood firm, oh, firm. The, the house on the sand went flat, right? <laughs> I clapped on the wrong one, okay? So uh, we understand that like, if you're gonna build something, you have to have a firm foundation, There has to be a foundation to build on in order for structure to stay and remain and continue to grow. And the good news is, is that Jesus is the foundation. You know, we live in an ever-changing world, but we serve an unchanging God who's just changing us over and over. It's, It's so confusing and yet so simple because our foundation is made of Jesus, the cornerstone who never changes, who never falters, who doesn't have to settle, who doesn't have to, he is settled. He is rock. 
It is this rock that Jesus wants to build his church on. If you look in Matthew chapter 16, because apparently I can't preach without that text in my life. It's one of my favorites. I use this almost every time I preach in one way or another, and I tried to find something different, but it was so perfect. When Jesus came to Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples this question. What are people saying about me? Who do men say that I am? And they answered, some are convinced you're John the baptizer, John the Baptist. Others say you're Elijah, Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. And Jesus asked, but you, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter spoke up and he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you're favored and privileged, Simon, son of Jonah, for you didn't discover this on your own, but my father in heaven has supernaturally revealed it to you. And now I give you the name Peter, which means rock. And on this rock, I will build my church and the power of hell will not prevail against it. Now there's a little bit of a play here because Jesus isn't saying, Peter, you're the rock that I'm going to build my church on, right? Like Jesus isn't going to build his whole church on one human. And I would guess that he wouldn't take the gamble on Peter if he was going to pick somebody. (laughs) Or maybe that's just me. (laughs) Peter's name is changed to rock. He becomes a rock in the first church. The rock that he's going to build his church on is the revelation of who he is. See, this is the first time it's being spoken. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And it's as it's spoken in, and Jesus is saying, that's what I want to build my church on. The revelation of who I am, the revelation of me, of, of who Jesus Christ is, becomes the bedrock foundation of the church, of our lives. And that's something to build on. See, Jesus says, I will build my church. Not Pastor John will build this church. Not Billy Graham is going to build the church. See, Jesus is going to build his church. And Jesus is building right now. Jesus is building something here in this place, in the middle of our frustration, disappointment, and heartache. Jesus is working. He's building. He's building. And we have to sometimes just have the fresh revelation of who he is. We have to remember who God says he is. We have to know his nature. I want to read these lyrics 
from a, a, a new worship song that's out. We may play it in just a minute. You bring life to the barren places, light to the dark spaces. God, it's your nature. You bring joy to the brokenhearted, hope to the ones who've lost it. God, it's your nature. There is no desert that your streams can't run to. There are no ruins that your love won't make new. You tell the wasteland that it will bloom again. Because it's your nature. You will restore the years that shame has stolen. You keep the promises that you've spoken. I know this wasteland will be whole again. Because it's your nature. You bring peace to the war inside us. Speak and all fear is silenced. God, it's your nature. You bring joy to the brokenhearted. Hope to the ones who've lost it. God, it's your nature. And it just keeps going and going and going. And it's all referencing promises of God, of who he is, of his nature. See, if we're in darkness, it's God's nature to light it up. If we're brokenhearted, it's God's nature to show up. If you are destroyed and crushed in grief and loss, Jesus' nature is to restore it. If you feel like you are living in a barren wasteland, it's Jesus' nature to come and see it bloom again. See, there is nowhere that we can go that the good nature of our God does not touch us and meet us and renew us and restore us and bring us hope and life again. There is no place, no matter where you are, if you're standing on the edge of the sea, partnered, believing that all that's on the other side of that is disappointment for you. See, it's God's nature to come in and blow your mind and say, no, in fact, sweet one, the other side is going to be so good. Jesus, it's his nature. It's his nature. To restore the years that shame has stolen from your life. It's his nature to keep his promise to you. It's his nature to release wholeness. And when we have the fresh revelation, then it, it gives us permission to break out of our disappointment, to break out of our hopelessness, to break out of our fear, and to step into who he is. And it's the revelation of his nature and his incredible goodness that gives us something to build on. And especially in times like this, in moments like this, in moments like, what is even going to happen this week? Who knows? But you know what? God is good. He's good and his nature is to restore his people, to build his people, to release his kingdom everywhere along the earth. And nothing about your identity or your calling changes when our culture changes, when our mandates change, when our health changes. When our work changes, when our normal changes, 
we are still called to take the gospel to the whole earth. No matter who our next president is, no matter what mandate we hear this week regarding COVID and our masks, whatever, I will preach the gospel in my mask because that is what I'm called to do. That does not change. My calling does not change. My identity does not change. In this ever-changing culture, we serve an unchanging God who has put his nature inside of us. And so my job is I will be continually transformed and changed to look like him, but who he said we are does not change. His plan is still to have the whole church take the whole gospel to the whole world. It's still the plan. It's still the plan to live with the fire of Jesus burning in our home, in our circle, and in our line. It's still the plan. It's still the plan to just keep going. It's still the plan to step into the promised land and take our inheritance. It's still the plan. There's still purpose in your life. Even if all the things that we thought gave us purpose have been stripped away, the one voice that matters the most says you still have purpose. Right now. It's still his plan to use you. It's still his plan to restore you. It's still his plan to be the healer. Even when we watched some people not get healed. It's still his plan to bind up your broken heart and have you keep moving. Let's not be people who grow cold or cynical or tired or disappointed and stop at the edge because we think that there's only disappointment ahead. Let's not be that church. Let's also not be the church that pretends like everything is fine and just keeps moving until we die along the road. Let's be a people who sit with our good God and allow his nature to touch and transform and renew our hearts. Let's sit with Jesus long enough to allow him to heal the dead places, to allow him to breathe life again, to allow him to bring a touch to our hearts that heals us so that I can keep moving forward. Let's be those people. Let's be people who march on with a plan, who build the the box that says, I don't understand God because he knows way more than I do. I mean, sometimes I, I have a mystery box, right? In the spirit, it's like my mystery box because there's a lot of questions that 
I don't know the answer to. I don't know why people I've prayed for died. I don't know why I didn't see the fulfillment of a promise. I don't know, but I know God knows everything and I know he's still good and I know it's his nature to be good to his people. And so I'm not going to change my theology in the middle of mystery. I'm going to say, God, I trust you. I'm just going to put this in the mystery box because I'm not going to go crazy trying to find an answer for something that I simply cannot know. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe you are who you say you are. And you're good. He's so good. I want to pray over you. Is that, can we play that song? We're going to, we're going to play part of the song. We won't play all of it, but I want to just give you an opportunity to just connect with the Lord, like just to allow him to minister to your heart, just allow him to show up, to remind you of his nature. Maybe you just need to like be reminded of who you are. Maybe you need to be reminded of who he is. But we're going to just take a second. Lord, we thank you. God, I thank you for awakening every heart right now to your nature. God, I thank you for releasing promise today. For bringing to life the barren places. For lighting up the dark spaces. For bringing joy to the brokenhearted. For breaking us out of disappoint- disappointment. I thank you, God, this morning for releasing streams in the middle of a dry desert of our hearts. I thank you for renewing us. I thank you, God, that you say the wasteland will bloom again. That there's still beauty coming from this life. Lord, help us set aside our focus that has been maybe on lack, loss, disappointment, or heartache. And connect with you, our unchanging God, whose nature is to restore, to renew, to rebuild, and to release. So we will take a minute, God, and just sit with you. I pray that you would release God encounters right now to people's hearts, that you would begin speaking promise and truth, that you would begin to ignite hope in hearts, that you would begin to bring healing to those places in Jesus' mighty name. You bring life to the barren places, light to the dark.
good. It's your nature. You can't not be good. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us of that this morning. Lord, thank you for sealing in our hearts whatever you've said, whatever you've shown us. Thank you, Lord, that we will walk out of here full of faith and truth and hope for the future, for who we are as your church, as your people, as your sons and daughters. God, I thank you that you haven't changed. In the midst of so much change, you haven't changed. You haven't changed our mission. You haven't changed our identity. You haven't changed who you are. Let us rest in that and let that birth so much hope and joy in us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have never given your heart to Jesus, you've never chosen to live for him, you, you're intrigued maybe this morning and you want to respond to that, we're going to have some people up here uh, at the end of service. I invite you to come and just ask somebody about that. We'd be happy to pray with you. If you need prayer for anything else, healing, uh, please come up. We'd love, to, we'd love to pray with you. So uh, our leaders will be up here waiting for you. And uh, if you're not going to stay for prayer, stay for soup and pie. Uh, there will, that will be down in the gathering room. If you go out in this main hallway, go all the way down. Uh, the next big double doors is the gathering room. They are setting up, I'm sure, right now. There's soup, pie, cornbread, all the goodies. Um, you can grab a table, get in line, get started. Lord, bless our food and our fellowship together. Yeah, if you need to take it to go, if you're not comfortable eating potluck style, please find someone who will touch the ladles for you, and they will fix a little to-go plate for you if if that would make you feel more comfortable. So, all right. Thank you.